We don't want to give them a few hundred thousand euros and then hope for the best. I mean, we want to make sure that they have sufficient money to reach a milestone that would allow them to then convince the big boys to step in in the, in the later rounds. We invest anywhere between two and a half and three million at a very early stage. Um, and we try to bring together rounds of about say, 10 million. We're not always successful, but uh, that's our goal. Tom van Houter, partner at IMEC Expand, which is the venture fund for Research Institute IMEC in Belgium. And on this episode, I talked to Tom about just why it is his job to put huge amounts of money into early stage nanotech spinouts and what the challenges are about raising a fund of more than 100 million in Europe. I'm here with Tom van Houter. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's start with a brief overview of what IMEC is and what IMEC Expand does. Yeah, so uh, IMEC is a R&D center in Belgium that focuses on semiconductor innovation. And what they have done extremely well in the last 30 years is they always focused on, on business. While typically an R&D center tends to uh, look at research mainly, uh, IMEC has always kept the link with the industry and built uh, very large partnerships with the who's who in the uh, semiconductor world. So anyone who does anything with a chip in it has some kind of cooperation with uh, IMEC uh, running. And recently also people who are more in the data space also start realizing that having some um, expertise or some uh, foot on the ground in the hardware scene could also be interesting. So we've seen there's also been a lot of movement there, um, with new contracts and new developments with anyone who does anything with data these days. We realized um, about three years ago that there was a huge potential there. We also realized that venturing in a very early stage is not easy and that it's an acquired taste and especially an early stage venturing in um, hardware, which makes it actually twice as hard as um, as traditional early stage because there's very few VCs who are interested in uh, in the hardware space today, uh, or at least at, uh, at that point, uh, two or three years ago. It's, it's going getting better now, so we're very happy about that. But we saw the huge potential and, and, and we had a the vision to start a fund, um, a fund that would leverage all the IMA capabilities, the expertise, the knowledge, the people, the infrastructure. I mean, IMIC has a three billion uh, clean room, which is the biggest non-commercial clean room in the world. And the, the possibility to do, um, low volume production, which in a set in a chip manufacturing setting is, is extremely important for, for a startup and something that's very difficult um, to get your hands on anywhere else. I mean, don't go to the TSMCs or the Samsungs or the global foundries. They are not going to produce anything for you. So we wanted to leverage that and, and we wanted it to be, um, big and ambitious enough to give the companies that we would support a chance for success. So, um, we don't want to give them a few hundred thousand euros and then hope for the best. I mean, we want to give, uh, make sure that they have sufficient money to reach a milestone that would allow them to then convince the big boys to step in in the, in the later round. So we typically invest anywhere, uh, we invest anywhere between two and a half and three million very early stage. Um, and we try to bring together rounds of about say, 10 million. We're not always successful, but uh, that's our goal. And in, in a few cases, we've done very well. In some other cases, we started with a little bit less. But our ambition level is to build global companies uh, that have uh, that can disrupt the, the domain that they're active in. And it's not just IMAC that is an LP in the fund? No, 
we definitely wanted to make sure that uh, we stayed honest in the sense that uh, this cannot be innovation for the sake of innovation or or even worse tech development of the technologies or innovation in search of a market we wanted to make sure that uh, the fund was for profit so that we had to obey to the laws of economics and we've been very fortunate that next to IMIC, who's of course our, our biggest uh, stakeholder and 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 also LP uh, we managed uh, to attract a significant amount of money from banks and insurance companies which is extremely uh, unusual uh, for them to step in the in, in that space because it's uh, high risk and it's because it's um, it's has a very long time to success if any success at all obviously <laughs> um, so we're very uh, happy that they decided to support us and we also been extremely uh, happy and proud that we have a number of uh, reputed corporates who have uh, really supported us setting up the fund and molding the fund to what it is now and, and, and Samsung is an investor in the fund they, they have they, they've been a, an, in, an instrumental part of, of the setup of the fund from day one and, and having their support obviously made our lives a lot easier in the fundraising process so we're extremely grateful for that and we also uh, partnered up with uh, Hynix, Applied Materials, uh, KPM Telecom and Philips uh, complementary uh, corporate VCs uh, who are, let's say, we don't look at them in a typical way where a fund, a, a corporate VC would invest in a fund to get things from the fund. We, we really consider them partners in the fund and they're committed to contribute to the success as well. So we can ask them questions. They will give us insights. They will have an opinion on, on, on certain investments. We meet with them on a very regular basis, at least once a month. Um, and we sit together and that's valuable, not only for us, but also for them. Because they can talk, you know, to the people in the in the um, in uh, in the group and 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 learn from each other as well. Because you know, you, you can always learn something. They're multidisciplinary in the sense that they're not competing with each other in in the domain. So there's always an open and constructive uh, discussion. And and we have actually, and uh, looking back, I mean, we, we've been doing that for two and a half years now. Um, I can say that we have made, thanks to that, uh, better investment decisions. Better in the sense that uh, better focused on domains that have high potential, but also better that we have done uh, our homework, let's say, more diligently than we could have ever done if we had to do it on our own. Because we get questions, we get remarks, angles that we hadn't thought about, and by getting their input, their feedback, it helps us to assess um, all uh, an opportunity from, from every angle. We are currently just south of Silicon Valley, obviously the hotspot of startups and investors. Were there any particular challenges doing this in Belgium? which is not traditionally seen as the hotspot of technology. Yeah, many, many challenges, um, uh, absolutely. I think the, the biggest challenge in, in Europe is that uh, Europe is not like the US, one country. I mean, it's a conglomerate of different countries with different cultures and different goals. And, and whether there's a European Union or not, that doesn't make a huge difference, with the exception of the European Investment Fund, that then is the overreaching organization for for fund investment fund of fund investment in Europe but the the culture in the different countries is is very diff, uh, is very different and what makes it worse is that there's a lot of effort done at the geographical level at a country level to support and to stimulate innovation but it always stops at the border i mean governments always want their money to be invested um, to the uh, let's say the, the greater benefit of a very of their population and, and they don't really wonder if that's the best strategy because I'm convinced that by having an international reach and investing 
uh, all over Europe or all over the world, I mean, you'll, in the long run, you'll benefit as a country more than limiting uh, 50, 100 million worth of investments to dedicating to your region. You can never generate the deal flow that you need to be successful. I mean, to really build up a, 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 a large amount of successful companies. But also, you don't incentivize your funds, your, your fund managers, your early stage fund to look outside of the borders because, I mean, there's no deals to be done. And, and, and you see this. I mean, we're here in Monterey today. If you look at the number of, for instance, I mean, European funds that are here, they're not that many. And the ones that are here represented are the ones who take it seriously because they really believe that they need to be active worldwide to be successful. But most European VCs just stay within their own comfort zone, their own country. And to companies, that's a challenge because for the next round of financing, you will need to go outside. And then the best value that a VC can add is network. I mean, knowing people, introduce, making warm introductions to people who know that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're credible and you try to do a good job and the companies you invest in are, an, are, are, are good companies or at least companies that have, have potential. And by not having that, 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 that power to introduce, I mean, oftentimes you see that, you know, they stay, have to stay local and, and it makes it much harder to grow. And if your opportunity is, if your opportunity is, is, is small, then that's not a problem at all. But if you're in hardware and you need to raise 50 million, that's a huge challenge. I obviously don't want to just focus on challenges. So have there been any successes so far that you've been really proud of? Well, I think what we're very proud of is that our efforts to be um, active internationally and to be known internationally is uh, is working. Um, I think we have put in a lot of effort to, um, to um, connect within the uh, corporate venturing uh, community for several reasons. Uh, first of all, because we've learned from our partners in the fund that a lot of value can come from uh, listening uh, to corporate uh, VCs, uh, but also because they're the ones who are, uh, let's say, most open to take some additional risk in an early stage. They, are, uh, they don't uh, shy away from some technology risk. Oftentimes, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, it's just an observation, financial return is not their number one concern, so they're a little bit less sensitive uh, towards, oh, well, this is very early stage, and uh, will this ever uh, return a, a, a 10x multiple in the market? If they're convinced that the technology has its merits and that they see from their perspective that it has market potential, I mean, it's somewhat easier to get them uh, on board uh, in an early stage opportunity. I mean, compared to... Um, the traditional uh, VCs who very easily will say, well, this is too early. I mean, this is, we're not going to touch this because this is too early. And, and whether that's true or not, I mean, it's a whole different discussion because it's not when you start investing, it's how quickly you will develop a company. I mean, the point where you start is not relevant if you can develop it much faster. I mean, what, what, what does it, I mean, it's always frustrating to hear, well, this is, this is too early, but it could have been two years later and have, has achieved less than where, where what it already has now. And it will have less two years from now because we have a way of, in the sector that we're active in, uh, we have a way of supporting companies and to really help them to become better. So I'm not too focused on the starting point. I'm more focused on where, where can you be two years from now if we help you? And, and, and I mean, would be, would make my life a lot easier. If others would also look at it that way. 
<laughs> it's a whole different discussion. Well, I, I don't think we have time to do <laughs> No, <right> that's <laughs> probably, probably not. I'll go off on a tangent then. I mean, that's, You've been coming to our events since almost the very beginning, um, even before you were with Emek Expand. What keeps bringing you back? Well, I, I think there's, first of all, there, there are extremely well organized events that are very well attended. I always appreciated, uh, the good balance between content and networking opportunity. Um, the people who are there, um, are always relevant uh, one way or another, even if they're not uh, active in, in our specific domain. I mean, there are people who are, who are, who are, um, working on innovation and there's always things you can learn from talking to them, from meeting with them. And, and we're strong believers. In, in paying it forward. I mean, it's not a matter of going somewhere and trying to get immediate value out of it. It's a matter of networking, getting to know people, coming back to the same events, meeting the same, the same people, catching up, updating each other. And at one point in time, you know, maybe two years from now, maybe five years from now, maybe never, but something probably will come from it. And, and I've seen that having that network and having the ability to reach out to, to many people and, and, and not always talking about investment opportunities, but also what's your take on it? I mean, if you look at um, the people who are here, for instance, at in, in, in uh, Monterey, a lot of people working uh, in, from the automotive industry, for instance, well, if we're working on, an, on, an, on a battery venture or we would be uh, considering investing in a battery venture, it's great to know that there's people you can reach out to and say, what's your initial thoughts? I mean, that's not talking about due diligence or NDAs. That's just, you know, a open and 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 a quick conversation on is there is this something and and we've had a lot of value from that and it's also i mean it's fun to you know to see people back after a few times and to catch up and you know to have a drink and and and, and connect again the social aspect is definitely important absolutely but also the quality of the people if you look at yes. the, the speakers on, on the agenda these are not just you know someone who got um who got um uh des designated by by a corporate vc you know to to spend a few, a few minutes. These are the decision makers. These are the people who have been um, instrumental in building the industry and who have played an important role in making corporate venturing what it is today. So those are the people you want to learn from. Perhaps more of an open-ended question then. We are at the start of a new decade here. What does the future hold for Emek Expand and perhaps VC or CVCs in general? Well, I, I was when I, I saw the, um, uh, when I was uh, listening to the, to the presentations, uh, the one thing that always strikes me is I don't think there's an industry in the world that's so diverse as corporate venture. I mean, there's not one uh, entity that acts identical as the next one. I mean, some of them, um, Intel Capital, uh, Samsung Ventures, I mean, have uh, act like a pure VC. I mean, there is, they're, they're linked to a large corporate, but their mentality is VC. I mean, the people who, who work there are VCs. I mean, they're, they have the same drive and the same incentive as any other traditional VC would have, they happen to be connected to an organization with a strategic focus. But there's also a lot of uh, corporate VCs who move, who are still very much at the, um, at the strategic side of things and who are very strongly looking at opportunities that are directly strategically relevant to them. And, and in the extreme, they're only looking at opportunities that are not only uh, strategically relevant, but that are also opening the potential for some kind of a cooperation in a very early stage. And it's a very diff difficult way to navigate that for an independent VC because dealing with the Intels, the Samsungs, the Applied Ventures is, is, is dealing with a VC 
Uh, you don't have to worry too much about the strings attached. They don't ask for many strings attached anyways. But if you look at it on the other side of the spectrum, and there's still quite a few there, maybe even the majority, um, I mean, it's, it's tougher because um, you're not always um, guaranteed that the rules of the game will be the same as you play it. And, and I, just before I came here, I saw the statistics, and, and one striking statistic was that 70-something, 5% of the entrepreneurs believe that the corporate VC will still be there to support the company uh, down the road. I think that's a stunning statistic because I'm convinced that, that for a number of the VCs, that may not necessarily be the case for corporate VCs. I mean, if they have had, you cannot offer them more strategic value with an additional investment. If you're in a company, you have the strategic advantage. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a challenge. Also from our perspective. Is it a challenge that can be solved? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think so because everyone, I mean, everyone's, as, as long as you're open and honest about your intentions, which most of them are, I mean, without any doubt, I mean, it, you, you'll feel free to, you know, go to a company and set your terms and conditions. And if they're open and willing to um, to uh, work with that, I mean, that's the decision that that the company has to make. I mean, they have to make up for, make up their mind and decide for themselves if that's their the best way forward. But I think people should be aware of the fact that there is not one way of doing corporate venturing, and that if you I mean, put everyone in the same category, in the CVC category, uh, you're probably misrepresenting um, um, a lot of them. That is quite something to think about. Um, but with that, we are out of time. Um, good finishing words. Um, thank you, Tom, for joining us. Uh, very happy to be here. Thank you very much, for, you very uh, much for, uh, for the chat. Yeah. Thank you. Talking Tech Transfer is hosted by me, Thierry Hehlers. It is produced by Global University Venturing, a Morsonia Limited publication. You can find us at globaluniversityventuring.com, on LinkedIn as Global University Venturing, or on Twitter at GU Venturing. Our sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. You can find them on inearproduction.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an interview. We'd also really love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or if you share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. It really helps us grow our audience. You can also reach out to me directly with feedback. Just email thehelis at globaluniversityventuring.com. That is T-H-E-L-E-S at globaluniversityventuring.com. Until next time, have a great week, everyone. Goodbye. Do 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 do